Good afternoon. Um, so the passage that we're reading tonight uh, is coming out of uh, the book of Matthew, um, chapter 3, verses 11 through 17. It says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus from Galilee to the Jordan to be then, Je, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It's the word of the Lord. I'm so excited to get into the book of Matthew with you. I'm going to move this real quick. I almost threw an iPad on my face. <clears throat> if we haven't met, I'm Thomas Nelson. I am, uh, I'm the young adult pastor here at Christ's Covenant, and, uh, and it's great to see you. I love seeing you every Tuesday night. Tonight um, was, the, I think it was like the worst traffic Atlanta has seen in um, who knows how long, uh, which, yes, I see, I hear that. You were in it too? Yeah, it was terrible. <clears throat> so I'm just glad that you're here. And, uh, and it's our first Tuesday of daylight saving. So like we have the windows open. It's like we can see a little bit of light. Uh, it's, just, it's just beautiful to be with you on a Tuesday night. I, I, I wanna just tell you, this series that we're doing right now is, it's kind of personal for me because I think that it's easy to develop, especially in a, in a church like ours. If you're visiting with us, if you're new, we're so glad to have you. But this church, um, we use like a lot of big words and we read a lot of books and, uh, and it's easy to develop ologies. Um, like you can have a really good theology. Um, you can have a really good soteriology. You can have a really good eschatology. You can have all the ologies you can even have a really good Christology. And Christology is just central in the Gospels. It's like, let's study Christ. But here's the problem. If you just have a bunch of ologies, you just know stuff about a thing or a person. It doesn't mean you know the thing or the person. And as we go through this gospel of Matthew, I really, I really want us to know the person. And in fact, Paul, in, in his letter uh, to the Philippians, he said, I count everything a loss, everything a loss compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Jesus, when we get to, to the Sermon on the Mount, at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, some people will say to me on that day, in fact, he says, many people will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, you hear the title, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name and do all these wondrous things in your name? Did we not do all these things in your name? Because they know the name of Jesus. 
And they even know the power of Jesus. But Jesus said, I will tell them on that day, depart from me because I never knew you. And so I, I, want us to, I want us to be diligent about studying the word. I want to come to you prepared, having studied the word. I want us to open the Bible, but I don't want us to leave with just a knowledge of the Bible. I want us to see the man himself. And so that being said, let me pray for us and let's dig in. Father, I ask that you would just do a sweet work with us tonight, that you would just show us your son, that it would be as if Jesus himself were sitting next to us tonight and that we would, would, would begin a lifelong, eternal long journey of knowing him, not just knowing about him. So Lord, take us wherever we are on that journey, whether it's first introductions or whether it's year 12 of being a Christian. Lord, wherever we are on that journey, would you just take us to the next step with us walking with Jesus? So please speak to us tonight through your word and through your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's, let's just kind of break down what John just read to us. Um, the, I've got this divided into two sections here. The first section is, uh, is John the Baptist introduction, and the second, uh, the second section is the actual baptism of Jesus. And so I think it's important for, for us to see what's happening in this scenario. They're, they're at the Jordan River. Um, they, they, if some of you are going to Israel in the next week or so, um, some of you, that's our Middle East trip this summer. We're gonna go to Israel. If you're interested in that, um, we'll have a little combo at the end of tonight. We can talk about that. Some of you have been before, so you kind of have an understanding. If not, if you've been to Arizona, if you've been to a desert state, you've got the right picture in your mind. Just turn up the temperature just a little bit hotter and you're almost there. And so they're, they're in this, in it, by this, the Jordan River and John is, he's doing what? He's baptizing. On some Sundays, we have a trough from, I think, Tractor Supply right here. I genuinely think it's from Tractor Supply. Um, it is, isn't it, Kevin? Yeah, it's a Tractor Supply warehouse like trough and it's right here and we fill it with water and... Uh, and we, we do the same thing that's, that's happening there here. And so he says he baptizes, and what does he baptize with? He baptizes with water, and that's what we do. We baptize with water, and what is his baptism? It's a baptism of repentance. And so in this, in this introduction, he's gonna say, he's gonna say here's, what, here's what I do, and then he's gonna say, here's Jesus, but Jesus is not here yet. So he's talking to some people about Jesus. So maybe you've had that conversation with folks about Jesus. Let's see if your conversation um, with folks about Jesus tracks with John's conversation with folks about Jesus. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, which means they go into the water and they say, I am sinful, I did sin X, Y, and Z, and then they confess that, meaning they're confessing it, not just to say it out loud, but they're saying, I want to turn, which is repent, to turn, I want to turn and go the other direction towards God. My life's been going away from God, I want to turn and go towards God. And so John would baptize them, he would dunk them, and it would symbolize them being washed clean of those sins. And then he would, they would go on their way. And then John says, that's what I do. And then he says, but he who is coming, 
Let's go to red. He, that's Jesus, he who is coming after me is mightier than I. And so he's, he's saying that Jesus is big, he's strong, he's mighty. And then he goes on and he says, I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals or carry his sandals. Depending on which gospel you read, he uses both of those lines. He says, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals and I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. And people are like, but you're John the Baptist. You're like, I mean, people come from like other states to hear you preach and stuff. Like you're John the Baptist. And he says, look, this guy is... This, this guy is the real deal. I'm just, I'm, I'm just the guy that's like on the side of the interstate, like knocking down the weeds so that you can see the signs. And so he says, I'm not even worthy, worthy to carry his sandals. And then he says, but he is going to baptize, and he's speaking familiar language. He's gonna baptize you, and then he changes. He doesn't say water at all. He says, he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit and then also with fire, now this is this is very interesting. Uh, I think it's it might be good to see like one more little section here. Let's go to 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 Mark chapter one verses four through eight, just so you can understand a little bit more of what's happening. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism. By the way. The baptism of Jesus is in all four Gospels. So a lot of accounts of Jesus are only in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but this one's in all four. And so John appeared baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So John is saying, hey, I'm, I'm baptizing you. You're repenting, and God's gonna forgive you of your sins. And all the country of Judea, Jerusalem, we're going out to him to be baptized by him in the River Jordan. Now listen to this, confessing their sins. And John, I just put this in here because I thought it was interesting. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist. It's so, it's just funny, I don't know why. This, I have no, no like anecdote for this other than I just think it's, it's funny that his clothes are mentioned. Uh, and so John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and also it includes his diet. He ate locusts and wild honey. John was like a man of the woods. Like definitely like JT was thinking about him when he wrote that album. I think he's like a man of the woods. Like this was his version of flannel. And, uh, and so he probably did pull-ups on tree branches. And uh, he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached saying, after me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So let's go back. He says something fascinating here. He says, Jesus is gonna come and Jesus too is gonna baptize you. But his baptism is not gonna be in a tractor supply warehouse trough in the front of a church. Jesus is gonna come and he's gonna baptize you with one of two things. He's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit or he's gonna baptize you with fire. Now, when you have conversations with folks about Jesus, this is probably not how it goes. But this is John's introduction of the man. He's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit, which means that you're, you're, you're saved. I mean, the, the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1.13, I, I think we have that verse up here. Ephesians 1.13 says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. So that means that Jesus, when he comes, John's saying that some of you, he's gonna cover you with the Holy Spirit and that is signed, sealed, delivered. 
that you are now the possession of God. You will be, in essence, possessed by the Holy Spirit. You will be God's. You'll be his. But some of you are going to be baptized with fire. Now, theologians debate what he means by the second part, but I think it's very interesting, and I actually think it, some people think it refers to more charismatic gifts, speaking in tongues, healing, those kinds of things, like so forth. So that would be like good news. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to get these supernatural gifts. But I don't think that's what John's talking about. Some people think that it means refinement, and that is true. When the Holy Spirit covers you and you're baptized in the Spirit, you do undergo refinement after refinement. Talk to some new Christians in the room. It seems like every five minutes they're like, oh, God convicted me about this. And when they say things like that, what they mean is they realized one more area of their life that they were holding on to that was actually harming them and not helping them. And God pointed it out and said, I need you to let that go so that I can give you life because you're holding on to some sort of death. And new Christians go through that all the time. And some folks... Like, we, we never outgrow it. I still go through conviction. And so it could be that. But I think what John is probably most likely saying is that when Jesus comes, nobody gets a pass. Everyone will either end up covered with the Holy Spirit or they will fall under the fire of judgment. Now, again, when you talk to people about Jesus, and when I talk to people about Jesus, this is not usually my first introduction to them of the man himself. So this fire, I think, is judgment. Now, let's just see, because John goes on and he gives this, this farmer illustration. He says that Jesus is going to have a winnowing fork in his hand. That's a tool that a farmer would carry. And he's going to clear his threshing floor, and then he's going to gather the wheat into the barn and the chaff he is going to burn with unquenchable fire. John wants to, to like really make people understand. One, one area here, one, one bit the farmer is going to keep and it's his. And that's the wheat. But the other part, that same farmer who John is calling Jesus is going to take the chaff, the part that is not good to keep, and he's going to burn it. And he doesn't just stop there. He goes on and he says he's going to burn it with unquenchable fire. And so this is John's introduction of Jesus. I, I mean, John was kind of scary anyway, like he was a wild man and he got in trouble because, you know, he would tell leadership of the country, like, you're sleeping with the wrong woman. And like, eventually it got him arrested. Like John just couldn't, if John saw something that was like against God's plan, he couldn't help but call it out. He got killed for it, but they killed Jesus too. And he acted a little different. And so John is like, let me tell you about Jesus. And so we get this like kind of scary picture of Jesus, but we still haven't seen him yet. He still hasn't shown up at the Jordan River. Um, this, this, so, so what we see uh, is maybe what we're gonna see, like what we hear is maybe what we're gonna see when we see Jesus, but we might see something that we totally didn't expect. Um, that last Thursday, I got on an airplane and I flew to, to Colorado with 
If you know Shannon Smith, who works here, um, her three sons, uh, Jackson, Colson, and Connor, and, uh, and I went out to Colorado. Jackson's living in Colorado, and I went skiing with the three of them and two buddies. One I knew um, from the church I used to work at. The other one I just knew from just being around those guys. And, uh, and then, like... One guy had his girlfriend there, and then she had a friend, and then there was like, it was just like, I was living your life, okay? That's what I was doing. For like four, four days, I was just living your life. Um, I slept on three different like couches, an air mattress, a couch, another, a bed, no, two beds. One was like quasi-bed. Um, but like, I was like, we were like, I was living your life. I thought about you so much. I was like, I'm, I'm them. And, uh, and so... But we're in Colorado, and none of Jackson's roommates at this point, at least I don't think they are, and, and, and maybe they'll listen to this on a podcast, which would be great. I don't think any of those guys would identify as a follower of Jesus. And so I don't know what Jackson told them before I got there. But you know me as like Thomas, young adult pastor, like we know each other. We can, it's not shocking. But they're like probably thinking, they, they probably asked, like, what kind of church is it? And Jackson was probably like, this is Baptist. And they were like, what kind of Baptist? And I don't know if he was like Southern Baptist. Like, it was just like, like the nail was just getting driven further and further into the coffin. And then when I show up, it's like, I don't know. I, I just, I think in our conversations, hopefully what they saw was a little different than maybe what they, what they thought. I'm hoping that, that there was like, some air of Christ, some grace, um, some love and some truth. I'm hoping there was like that, maybe like also a little normal um, and not like, yeah, he's definitely a pastor. Like, I hope there was like a little bit of like, you know, he ties his shoes too and like he like has to pay bills and like his car breaks down on the way to church too. Um, maybe not too, but still breaks down. Like those kinds of things. Like, so I'm, th- I'm hoping after these past few days, whatever they may have thought before they met a pastor, because most of those folks had never had a pastor, I think, in their living room. Most had never had a conversation with a Christian minister. I'm hoping that afterwards, what they heard or what they thought is like altered in light of who Christ is making me. And so we have this we have this introduction, and right now Jesus is like pretty scary. He's the farmer with the winnowing fork. He's the winnower who baptizes with fire and the Holy Spirit. He's so much greater than John. John can't even pick up his shoes. And then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John. If you wanted to take a vacation to Israel, you could do what's called the Jesus Trail. And in 2007, these two guys came up with like, they just like to hike. And uh, they came up with a 40 mile hiking trail that, that kind of mirrors the path that Jesus took throughout his life. And so you can do it for three or four nights and you can camp out and it's, it's, it's a pretty neat little deal. I haven't done it, I've just seen parts of it. I think I've walked on parts of it, but, um, but I think there's a reason that Matthew includes the introduction that John gave and then that one little weird line. Then Jesus came from the Galilee to Jordan to John. He walked. And he walked on roads where there would have been other people. And that means he had conversations with folks. 
And he probably got tired of using his words at some point. And so he listened to people. And he ate with some people. And he probably slept on someone's couch. And there's no big sign over his head, do you know who I am? I think what we see in the introduction of Jesus is much more calm than how John describes him. Now, what John describes is true. He is the winnower with the threshing fork, and he baptizes with fire and the Holy Spirit. But this is pretty meek and mild. And when he gets to John, he comes to John to be baptized by him. And John would have stopped him. And, and John said, you know, John said, no, I, I need to be baptized by you. And you come to me. But Jesus answered, let it be so for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now, others, remember, those other people were coming, confessing their sins. You remember the, the verse from Mark 1, verses Mark 1, 5. They were coming and they were confessing their sins. And they were getting baptized to turn away from their sins and to follow Jesus. Well, they didn't know it yet, follow Jesus, to follow God and ultimately to follow Jesus. They were, they were confessing, but Jesus, like, what's... What, what does he have to, to confess? What does he have to even say? I, I don't know if you've, have you, um, have you read or, or seen the, the it, it's a great little kid's book, but it's kind of a grown-up book too. Um, the, the Boy, the Mole, the Fox, the Horse. Have you seen that? They won some awards the other night on, uh, on the Oscars. And so anyway, I don't know if you saw that or not. You should. It's great. Have you seen it? Have you read it? I mean, sorry, that's like incriminating. That's like, <laughs> that's like you watched it. You didn't read it? No. Um, I listened to it and then I watched it the other night. It's like if you have Apple TV, this, this is on there. It's like 37 minutes or something. Um, it's like you could watch it tonight before you go to bed. But the whole, this is not a Christian story, but the whole story of, of this, this little saga that we see that I've got on the screen here, this, the whole saga is this boy, this little boy has like gotten lost and these three little animals are trying to figure out how to help him be kind and brave. And the reason this story is like so appealing when you listen to it and when you watch this little short film is because there's something really, really rare about someone who is kind and brave. There's plenty of kind people, but they're cowards. In fact, that's why they're kind, because they're afraid. And there's plenty of brave people, but they're mean. And that's part of why they're brave, because it's easier for them to be brave than it is to be kind. But it's a really rare, rare blend to meet someone who is kind and brave. And so we have this grandiose description of Jesus, the winnower, with the threshing fork, who baptizes with fire and the Holy Spirit, which is absolutely true. But when we actually meet Jesus, 
And he walks from the Galilee to the Jordan, to John. And he stands in line with all the people. Have you ever thought about that? Can you imagine, like, you're in line to get baptized by John, and you're talking to somebody, and you find out, like, a couple of years later, that was the guy that rose from the dead? Like, what's he? He's listening to these folks confess their sins. He's hearing their stories of why they came to the river in the first place. That's incredibly kind. But he has also stepped out of heaven and put on flesh. And in this moment, his baptism marks a road to the cross that is unalterable, and he knows it. And that is incredibly brave. And so I think what we see in this moment is we have this man who is incredibly kind and incredibly brave. And at this baptism, he shows this great humility. And he doesn't have anything to to confess when he goes into the water, but what he's doing when he goes into the water, I keep referring to like right here because this is where we do our baptisms. What he's doing when he steps into the water is he's saying, I identify with you. I hear your confessions. I hear all the things you're saying. And in the same waters that you confessed those and went under and came up and turned to God, I take all that on me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. He's symbolically a sponge in that water. And he's soaking up the heartaches and the sins. And he's saying, I take your sins. I, I, that's, this is what I am here for. I mean, he's only said a few words. Let it be so. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. But when you see all the context of what's happening, you can tell so much about the man by just watching him. And remember that Jesus is the winnower. He's the spirit and the fire bestower. But the winnower and the spirit and the fire bestower sure looks different in person than maybe we thought he would. Now, at this moment, when he comes up out of the water, we have this Trinitarian explosion When he was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, uh, and he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And then behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. At this moment, we have this incredible Trinitarian explosion. He comes up from the water having nothing to confess, but instead receiving all of our confessions and saying, I identify with you. I'm here for you. I see you. I see what you did last week. I heard what you said to John. I see what you did last night. I heard what you said to John. And when he comes up out of the water, The Spirit of God could have come in any form he wanted, but he chose the form of a dove. 
Did you know doves mate for life? My dad, I grew up in a hunting family, and my dad will not dove hunt. Dove hunting in the South is like this big, I see Connor Beecham here, he's like smiling at me, he's like, I like to dove hunt. Um, And so dove hunting is like a big social thing in the South. And so you go on this big dove hunt, it's a big social thing, you have a good time, you usually eat a lot of barbecue, you eat way more barbecue than you would like bring home from the doves. And so... You, uh, you have this big, big social time. But my dad, when he read this passage, when he was a young believer, said, I, I just feel bad. I can't shoot dove anymore. And as a kid, he said, I'll take you dove hunting, but I won't bring a gun. And I said, why? And he said, well, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove. And he said, did you know doves find a partner and they never leave them their whole life? And I was like, what if I shot the partner? <laughs> and so you better be a good shot. You better get both of them. Uh, and so... I'm just kidding. But like they, they made for life though. They, they, they made for life the dove all throughout the world, the whole world. The dove symbolizes peace and love. And that's how the spirit came upon him. And he said, this guy is peace and love. And the father says something so interesting. He says the same thing about Jesus that Abraham said about Isaac three times in Genesis chapter 22. And we know Abraham loved his son Isaac. He loved him so much he was willing to sacrifice him to God, but God stopped him from sacrificing him. And Isaac was, Isaac was spared and God said, the angel of the Lord said that you don't have to spare your son or you don't have to kill your son. And Abraham said to his son, he said, God will provide the lamb on this mountain. And the father speaks And is definitely referring to that story, which so many of the Jewish people would have known. And what he's saying is, this is my son, and he is your lamb. He's going to pay for all your sins. And by the way, later on, when you, if you're reading the Gospels, if you ever read the Gospels and you read through and the, the, usually the Pharisees um, and the Sadducees will ask Jesus, they ask him a couple of times in the Gospels, where do you get your authority from? Uh, this is where his authority came from. Authority was given to a Jewish rabbi by threes. And what we have here is John the Baptist, who is an authority. We have God the Father and we have God the Holy Spirit. The three of them together give Jesus his authority. And after this, his ministry begins. In fact, one time Jesus is asked, where did he get his authority? And he refers back to the baptism scene. What we have is this incredible Trinitarian explosion. Jesus' authority is given. His humility is shown. And that's why I really, I really want us to meet the real Jesus I don't want us to just have a Christology. I want us to see that the baptism of Jesus shows us so much about him. He's kind and he's brave, but also he identifies with us. And this is really big. I need this to sink in. He he says, I see you. That's what he's doing at this baptism. He's showing all these people, I see you. I see you 29 and single and wondering if it's ever going to happen. I see you. I see you that you don't have a penny left in your bank account and life is hard. And I see you. You've made bad choices. You wonder if God can ever redeem the time. He's like, I see you. 
you just hooked up with somebody and you're embarrassed by it or you're not embarrassed by it, but you feel funny about it. Like he's like, I see you. But not only does he say, I see you, he says, I'll get in the waters too. And I'll take that stuff from you. This is why we sing songs to him. This is why we pray in Jesus' name. There is no one else in the history of the world that can offer this to someone. Uh, I, I... this is like a little gratuitous, but I want to tell you a funny story. Um, last week on the way here, my car, my car battery, if you have a, like a battery meter in your car, you should like pay attention to it every once in a while. Like here, just so you know, it should read about 14. Um, and so if it reads more than that, not so good. If it reads less than that, really bad. Uh, and so on the way here, I'm on 75 and you know, we live in Marietta. So I'm driving down 75. And when I get to like, when I get to um, like the battery area, 285, I notice that the battery meter is no longer where it should be. And I'm thinking, this is not good. Now, I don't know much about cars, but I know a little bit about cars. And I was like, that is definitely the alternator dying. And when that starts to happen, your time is limited, friends. Your time of driving is very limited. Doesn't matter if you have like two tanks of gas. It doesn't matter. Your time is like at a premium. And so I thought, how far can I go? Can I get to the church? Now, it's like 4.30 on a Tuesday. I'm, I'm sitting fine in traffic. I'm like, here we go. We're just cruising. And the battery meter like goes a little further and a little further and a little further. And I was like, you know what? Churches. I love churches. Let's go to Mount Perrin Central. And so I pull into Mount Perrin and I pull up, not like any just random parking spot, the closest parking spot to the front door. And uh, little did I know, I would never move my car for like a long time after that. So I pull up like right by the door and, uh, and I, I, like, I did a couple of things and I realized it is definitely the alternator. So my sweet wife, who is like, what are you gonna do with your car? I'm like, I'm gonna leave it here. She's like, all right, I'll come get you. So on her way to lead her small group, which starts at six, she's like, gets here. I'm going over my sermon notes in the car. Um, it was nice. It was like warm. It was nice nice day. Uh, the security lady came out and she's like, uh, sir, are you okay? And I was like, yes, ma'am. I'm a pastor at another church. I was thinking, I bet she's heard this before. I was like, my car, my car stopped. And like, so I'm going to just leave it here tonight. And she said, no problem. And then she said, I think my, she said, where are you going? And I told her and she said, I think my grandson would like that. And I was like, we'll bring him. Uh, and so anyway, we had this great conversation. And then she did say something that I have to say to all of you Christ covenant people. She said, don't worry. We have 24 hour security here. And I was like, yeah, we don't. Um, I said, you don't want to leave your car at our church overnight. Uh, it will not look the same the next morning. And so, so anyway, uh, so we laughed about that. My dad and I last Wednesday morning changed the alternator in the parking lot, which was quite a feat. And, uh, and then I was off to the races. Like I told you, I went to Colorado. I came back. Yesterday happened to be cold. Yesterday morning, like 7.50 something, I'm driving to church. We have a little 8.30 staff meeting. I, I get to a red light like a quarter mile from my house. And I was like, man, the steering wheel's completely sideways. And the battery's going like this, like the little thing. And I was like, oh, this is not good. So I thought, let's just turn it off and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was... I was that car, the car that stopped at the intersection with the hazards on, that was me yesterday. Like, I was that car. And so you know the one that you're like, what's wrong with them? Why won't they move? Like some of you are mad at me right now. You weren't even there and you're mad at me. I was that car. I was that car for not one hour, but two hours. 
And so <clears throat> I'm sitting at this till 10 a.m. And then the record, the record shows up and, uh, and I was like, good. And, uh, and so he, he was like such a nice guy. He, he said, I'm here to get your day back on track. And I said, I need it. And so <clears throat> we are, we then are driving down the road and he says, this truck, by the way, has a cracked head gasket. And I said, oh, okay. Well, remember my car strapped onto this truck. And he said, uh-oh, it's smoking. And so this is me looking in the side mirror. He said, can you take a picture? Can you see like all that? That's not asphalt. That is the most smoke you've ever seen in your whole life coming out. To the point, to the point that the policeman, the nice lady who pulled us over, couldn't see out of her windshield. And then the nice police lady said, where are you going? And I said, a mechanic shop. And she said, do you want to ride? And I said, sure. <laughs> so I, I have ridden in the back of a police car. <laughs> and I, by the end of the trip, I was just laughing. I was like, this is funny. At first I was like really sad. And I thought this is going to be expensive. It was a little expensive. It was just the battery. But still, those are expensive now. Everything's expensive. I, I just, I, I tell you this whole story to say, you, you could tell me your saga of being trapped on the road. And I would be like, I hear you, that's sad. You could tell me about your car potentially burning in an auto fire as you watch the thing like basically catch on fire. And I would be like, that's sad. You could tell me about your ride in the back of a police car. <laughs> And I would say, that's wild. Um, did you learn your lesson? Like, I would probably ask that. You can tell me all those things, but until yesterday, I couldn't identify with you. But you spend a few, just a few hours going through those kinds of things. And now, when I saw the car tonight on the way here, pulled over on the side of the road, I didn't even have to like try to drum up any compassion. I was like, oh, that stinks. I know what that's like. And I know what it's like to have people flying by me that all they had to do was like pull over. I did fly by them, by the way. All they have to do is like pull over. <laughs> I was in a hurry to see you. Um, I'm sure they could call a wrecker. But I mean, to identify with someone, you kind of got to walk a mile in their shoes. And I think what we see in the baptism story of Jesus is that he walked in our shoes and he heard our sins and he sees us. And I think the big question is, do we see him? Because there are plenty of folks who know about Jesus there's plenty of folks that can quote Bible verses to you, give you some good Christology. There's plenty of folks that can tell you about Jesus. But do they really identify with him? Do they, do they know, does he know about their relationships, about their job, about their families, about their roommates? He wants that so bad Make no mistake, 
One day we will all fall either under the judgment or that unquenchable fire, or we will be sealed with the Holy Spirit and delivered to God as the bridegroom of Christ. There will be no one in the middle. But while we still have breath, I think Jesus beckons us. Come and let me walk with you. Look at the links I'll go to. The standing in line, the listening to those confessions, the getting in the water. You know, when we baptize people here, we use Romans 6, 4. When we're baptizing, we say, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That's what he's demonstrating in that baptism. That's what he's demonstrating walking that long road to get to the Jordan. That's what he's demonstrating hanging out with all those people. It is a picture of how he wants to see you and walk with you that we might walk in newness of life. At the end of the, the story of the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse, um, the, the boy has had this long journey with, with the three animals. And at the end, the boy comes back to the three animals and his line, it's so good, I had to, I had to write it down. His, he says to, he's speaking to the horse, but he says, so now you know all about me. And then he asks the question, and do you still love me? And the horse speaking for all the other animals says, since we know all about you, we love you all the more. I think that is a big thing that this baptism teaches us. After hearing all the confessions and being with all the people and walking in the shoes that they walked in and seeing them and identifying with them, I think he loved them all the more. And it's the same for us tonight. He sees us. Do we see him? Let me pray for us. Father, as we sing to you tonight, as we sing about Jesus, I just thank you that he sees us. Just like he saw all those people in the first century, he heard their confessions and he didn't run. He walked in their shoes and he stayed Lord, would you just help us to have these hearts that are just broken in gratitude for Jesus who came and he sees us and loves us all the more. Father, I thank you that you have tried so hard to show us that you love us and you see us. Lord, would you forgive us for running and hiding pretending. Lord, would you let us walk with you in a way that is just as tangible as the people in the first century did? It's in Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen.